The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. The unintended consequences of people's plans and ideas. I love this topic. This is something that I've talked about on many a podcast. If you've listened to any of my shows, we've gone and covered these ideas of the unintended consequences of what people have planned out, what people's reactions to certain things are. Because people are not monoliths. We're not just this one entity that you can kind of predict which way they're going to react. Even though the people that make the plans, if we do this, then this will happen and this will go here and we will end, uh, end up with this goal that we're trying to achieve. All of these offshoot unintended consequences occur. A lot of times you can use ideas from economic theory. You can use different uh, human nature, behavioral uh, uh, actions, uh, historical data, whatever the case may be. You can kind of game plan some of these unintended consequences, but we're pretty ingenuitive. <laughs> we're, pretty, we're pretty inventive. We come up with great ways and creative ways to do things that are in reaction to these events that a lot of times people don't plan for, and that's what happens when things roll out. So when you take the coronavirus, right, and you take the fact that they basically shut down your businesses, they shut down your well-being of your child, they've closed his school, they've killed your livelihood, they've uh, told you you couldn't go uh, to your child's wedding, you couldn't go to a loved one's funeral, you couldn't see the birth of a grandson or a, the birth of, you know, birth of a relative, a niece, a nephew, whatever the case may be. But they get to walk around without mask on, elected officials. They get to fly to Florida at 27,000 a pop, taking airplanes that weren't even de designated for private carrier aircraft, I'm talking about Governor Whitmer, um, who used campaign funds and donations from her campaign to pay for the $27,000 trip to Florida in the middle of the coronavirus while she's banning anyone from Florida spring break coming back to Michigan, right? We're supposed to act as though they can go to the Michelin star restaurants and hang out with no social distancing, no mask. They get to get their hairs, their hair did or their nails done. And we, us plebes, have to go on missing people's uh, birthdays and weddings and funerals because we're, we're doing something to stop the spread of the virus. But it's the unintended consequences that come from it. Now, a lot of people were impacted financially. So the stimulus came into effect. A lot of people got money uh, back from taxes. And, you know, that led people who may have been already financially well off during the midst of this coronavirus. They weren't the ones losing their jobs. Their business might still be essential and still open. They ended up with that money and they said, you know what? 
People are wrecking this economy. Our politicians are wrecking the dollar. Let me invest it. And so you had the phenomenon that happened with GameStop. If you remember, there was speculators, people that wanted to put money on betting on the fact that the future of GameStop's uh, stock, because GameStop is a brick-and-mortar used and somewhat new video game uh, company selling uh, consoles and games and what have you, they figured, okay, well, now you can just download it or stream it or what have you. Through, uh, through digital means, there's no need for the brick-and-mortar store. This is an obsolete company, and they're going to go out of business. So they bet against the price of the stock by borrowing money, putting it on what they think it's going to be, so that that way they would reap the rewards without any actual personal investment outside of what they borrowed. People found out about it, gamers and what have you, and they decided to stick it to the man they threw money on the GameStop stock and raised it up to all-time highs. I mean, to high levels, basically impacting those people. And in the process, those speculators lost a ton of money. And they did this through Reddit, you know, other websites where they can meet and congregate. And in doing so, the powers that be stepped in and they said, oh, we can't allow that to happen. Some of the investment apps like Robinhood app and what have you, put stops to the purchase or sale of game stock. And so they kind of stuck their thumb on the scales to the average individual who was organized and doing something in a fashion that wasn't considered illegal. And they were doing it through a collective mentality because no one expected this to happen. No one expected the uh, unintended consequences of people that were looking at throwing game stock under the bus and these people made out like bandits. The individual that had the extra money that they can put down profited off of it. Well, the same thing started happening in the cryptocurrency market. And of course, there was the Dogecoin. If the, Dogecoin is, you know, when you got these virtual currencies, they have an intrinsic value because mostly they're uh, very limited on its resources. Now, the resources may be, you know, a, a market cap of like millions or billions, but there's a finite amount of them, and that gives it the value that when the, that finite amount starts to be bought up, that, mean, that raises the price. It pushes it up. But it's, you know, very similar to stocks in the matter of supply and demand. You know, Bitcoin has been f- flying through the roof. Ethereum has been doing quite well, all because... The technology, the blockchain, whatever the case may be with these virtual currencies um, has value for it. And on top of it, there's finite resources. Well, the interesting thing about Dogecoin is you had Elon Musk out there touting about it when it was at, you know, five cents a share or whatever. Well, all these people started putting money on it. And of course, the funny thing about Dogecoin is it has infinite resource uh, amount. I mean, it, there's an unlimited supply. There's, there's no uh, supply and demand issue with Dogecoin outside of the demand it is for people to buy it and raise the price. I mean, you can, it's, it's got infinity, uh, an infinite amount of, uh, you know, coins out there. And it was made as a joke. A little dog on the, on the coin. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. But Dogecoin popped off, especially before Elon Musk was going to be on Saturday Night Live, to which Saturday Night Live comedians, for some reason, hated him. Uh, Maybe it's because of the same reason why we didn't like him, because he's a big Earth First guy with his little green tech and, uh, you know, he doesn't want to 
accept Bitcoin anymore because the mining, the carbon footprint from the mining somehow outweighs the carbon footprint of all his Teslas being plugged into a freaking wall powered by coal fire plants. But regardless of that, Dogecoin made a lot of people a lot of money. And so now we get this from the U.S. Treasury. U.S. Treasury calls for transfers of cryptocurrency like Bitcoin over $10,000 to be reported to the IRS as a means to limit illegal activity, including tax evasion. Cryptocurrencies not convenient for payment due to swings in value. Central bank digital currency could be designed for use by the general public, says chair of the Federal Reserve. U.S. Federal Reserve will issue a report on U.S. digital currency in the summer, says uh, uh, Secretary Powell. So they want to do like they do with money you bring in through foreign uh, means. You know, if you're flying overseas and you have to declare your money, you have to declare, I've got $10,000 on me or more, because if not, they're going to throw you in jail and, and take your money because that's very libertarian. I mean, I don't, why should I have to tell you how much money I have? Why do I have to limit how much money I can bring in? But they're doing it under the guise of national security and what have you. Never mind the fact that the IRS has been putting out issues on cryptocurrency for years. Why all of a sudden now? They've been talking about, you know, what happens when you mine for coins, well, when you mine for coins and you actually use software to locate a coin, the value of that coin at the moment that you mine it is the value that you should report your basis, what your value is as what you received it at. You know, they get into, they treat cryptocurrencies as long-term or short-term investments, you know, kind of like a stock. You know, I bought it at this amount and then it went up to this amount and I sold this amount of, you know, so it's treated as a stock. What happens if you buy pizza with it? What happens if you buy a Tesla with it? Well, then you get into what was the value of that coin at the sale of the exchange of that good or service. It gets really complicated. But they've been working on this for years. Why all of a sudden now? Could it be that everybody was throwing stimulus down and they were making money off of Dogecoin, off of Bitcoin, off of Ethereum? I mean, in my opinion, I'm not an investment manager. Throw it on Ethereum. Maybe throw some on BitTorrent because BitTorrent was popping off and it's at a very low amount that you can make something on. But that's just me. Don't take my investment advice. But these coins had a way for people that had extra means of money. Maybe they had stimulus money. All of a sudden, people are throwing money on altcoins, which are coins other than Bitcoin, and making money. So, of course, the government has to now step in and we got to regulate that. And then in doing so, check out what they want to do. They want to make a federal cryptocurrency for the United States. Hey, Tyler, the Federal Reserve announcing it's taking another step at looking at the possibility of issuing a central bank digital currency, saying it's going to issue a paper. And that paper will be issued this summer that will focus on the benefits and risks of a central bank digital currency. The Fed's going to ask for public comment on whether or if it should do this thing and what the risks are. And the, uh, Chair Powell saying in a video release that the Fed made available along with this statement that this represents the beginning of a thoughtful and deliberative process when it comes to thinking about a central bank digital currency. He does not say for the record the Fed has reached a conclusion to issue one. But here's uh, some quick sound from what the chairman released in his video. 
We are committed at the Federal Reserve to hearing a wide range of voices on this important issue before making any decision on whether and how to move forward with a U.S. CBDC, taking account of the broader risks and opportunities it could offer. He also says the CBDC should be designed for general public use and should be a complement, not a replacement for cash. So, Kelly, hard to know exactly how big of a step this is. The Fed has been talking about thinking about issuing a CBDC for quite some time, but now it's going to issue this paper and that paper will be coming out in the summer. Whoa. So the feds want to make a digital dollar and it's only going to be a companion. It's not going to take over. It's not like they're going to spend us into oblivion. They're not going to just give out stimulus after stimulus after stimulus, cause inflation to go up, cause the price of lumber to skyrocket, cause the price of gas to go through the roof, cause the food prices to go insane. No, that's not going to happen, although it is. Maybe they'll just destroy the dollar completely, and then you'll just have to switch it for one of those digital dollars. (laughs) No biggie. You won't have to carry around any cash, and it's COVID-friendly. So you don't have to worry about that dirty money passing around those COVID germs that you'll need one of those crazy vaccines for. And maybe we'll talk about those crazy vaccines in just a few. But yeah, we're just going to make a companion currency, but it'll be digital. It's almost like that Jane's Addiction song, of course, you know, of course, this land is dangerous. All the animals are capably murderous. And he goes on to talk about one must eat the other, you know, his offspring before him, put him right into his mouth. Basically, the digital consumer or the digital currency is going to consume the actual currency. And that's how that's going to go down. But we've already seen Bitcoin get attacked. We've already seen the altcoins like we talked about earlier get attacked. China said they're going to regulate whether or not they can uh, do anything. And then what happened? The cryptos took a giant dive. And the cryptos are taking a a giant dive again because, oh, well, the United States government's going to get in it. We can't have a decentralized currency do its thing. So what are they going to do if they have a digital currency? Well, they get to watch what you buy and sell. Hey, that's not bad. I mean, hell, they were thinking about giving you a COVID-19 passport. You won't be able to go to a, a restaurant. You won't be able to go to a concert. You won't be able to fly. You won't be able to... Exchange goods and services, <coughs> Mark of the Beast, <coughs> 666, um, if you didn't have that. So what happens if they can track your spending? Oh, even better. And then you know what they can do? Well, even though you want to purchase one of those constitutionally protected Second Amendment weapons, you know, a gun, well, we don't think you should be able to buy it. We're going to deny that transaction Oh, you don't think they'll do that? Just go Google Operation Choke Point and ask some of the processing servers that handle MasterCard transactions with gun stores uh, how that worked out. Maybe, just maybe, they'll decide, we don't like you spending uh, your money to invest in oil or fossil fuels or non-sustainable green energy or uh, companies, the ones that are against the environment, the ones that cause climate change issues. Maybe we'll just say, nah, we're not going to let you invest there. Denied. 
They're just going to, you can look up ESG scores. We've talked about that for the last few months. Scores that they regulate whether or not your investments are sound based upon whether or not they help the environment, help social justice, help governance. We can do all that with digital currency. We can track it. We can find out where your sp- what your spending habits are. It'll be like Facebook and Google, but by the government. Hmm, that never works out bad, it does it. And maybe you didn't want to get that vaccine. So maybe we just won't give you that stimulus. Or maybe we just won't allow you to spend until you do get the vaccine. The government will have control over your economic behaviors. You really want that? Oh, but they would never do that, would they? From Reason Magazine, Biden wants to spy on American bank accounts. <laughs> Biden tax plan would call, uh, call financial data from masses of law-abiding, tax-compliant Americans. Imagine that. <laughs> In the name of catching tax dodgers. Remember, $10,000 of cryptocurrency earnings will have to be reported to the IRS because you might be trying to evade taxation. Yeah, well, the Biden administration is seeking serious snooping rights to oversee American bank accounts and payment apps. Quote, instead of promising a chicken in every pot, Biden's plan promises an auditor in every kitchen table, commented Chuck Grassley. Under President Joe Biden's proposal, 87,000 new IRS employees would be hired and everyone would expect more scrutiny of the flow of money to and from their financial accounts. As it stands now, the government gets alerted to most income when a payer reports it to the IRS. If someone comes into money and the payer doesn't report it to the IRS, the person paid is supposed to have reported this income no matter how small. But it's difficult for the IRS to know if they do so or if they do not do so. Estimates suggest opaque income sources have misreporting rates of 55%. But Biden would change this, putting thousands of new IRS agents in charge of monitoring how much money goes into and out of individual bank accounts and payment service providers like PayPal and Venmo each year and investigating people whose cash flow doesn't match what they report as income. It's how the administration proposes paying for a massive new spending measure in Biden's American Families Plan. The schemes would raise $700 billion in additional tax revenue over the next decade. Now, Joe Biden also wants to put in a global 15% tax, a global minimum tax on the globe. I don't know how we do that. Obviously, they know they're spending. They won't say it. They won't come out and declare it. But by their actions, ye shall be known, right? It's why when the Obamacare measures were being put in, they said, oh, you don't have to worry about it. It's not going to mess with your plan. It's not going to hurt you financially. But yet it is the first time in history they raised the medical deduction threshold from 7.5% of your adjusted gross income to 10%. Why? Because they knew people just on regular medical spending would not meet the, or they would meet the threshold and exceed it and be able to deduct that from taxes. So they had to adjust knowing that people might minimize their tax liability because of it. So they knew by their actions, ye shall be known, right? So the administration talks about this increased IRS scrutiny as if it would only affect the extremely wealthy tax scoffles. That's what they always say. You know, only 400,000 or more while they're doing inflation, which is doing a backdoor tax on everybody. But the extreme wealthy 
Uh, no, they can get extra IRS scrutiny and already have sorts of tricks for shielding income and taxes from regulators to view. Rather, it's the folks who sometimes get paid under the table for in informal gig work, babysitting, house cleaning, a stray manual labor job here and there, um, fixing a few cars, peddling homemade baked goods. They're the ones that are going to get hit. I mean, it's completely ridiculous. Even Kevin McCarthy, in between playing Xbox with Frank Luntz in his D.C. apartment, you know, they're hanging out, maybe watching some uh, old school or uh, stepbrothers with uh, Will Ferrell. Um, he tweeted, Biden's infrastructure plan includes giving the IRS power to spy on your bank account to track every dime you make, every dollar you spend. This is the same IRS that targeted conservatives the last time Biden was in the White House. Does that sound like infrastructure to you? Remember, they destroyed any 501c4 organization, organizations that you use to organize, raise money to campaign against Obamacare and every other, you know, over the top government program used to infringe upon your liberty. And what do they do? They're going to shove your application for your nonprofit into purgatory. Just make it go away. And then maybe they'll just investigate you because you actually applied for one. So they're going to spy on your bank. They're going to destroy any means that you might have to get around the dollar being destroyed by them. They're going to inflate the dollar beyond belief. And then they're going to spy on every bit of spending once they turn your dollar into a digital dollar. Back in a moment. This is Adrian Slade. On this one-year anniversary of George Floyd's death, let's take a moment and observe some remembrance. Floyd's life. So what are we expecting both there in Minneapolis and across the country? Well, Diane, I think one real powerful moment is you mentioned certainly the Floyd family meeting privately with President Biden. Well, right around that time or immediately after, uh, the governor here, Governor Waltz, has signed a proclamation urging residents in Minnesota and Minneapolis to observe nine minutes and 29 seconds of silence, uh, representing the nine minutes and 29 seconds that Derek Chauvin knelt on George Floyd's neck. But Hold on. All right, we're going to check in with Alex in a bit. Sounds like there may be some trouble there in Minneapolis. We're going to check in with them. Obviously, we hope that they are safe. And meanwhile, as lawmakers try to work on federal police reforms. This bill of comprehensive police reform uh, to be... Uh, to... Just got to be careful here with some gunshots. Excuse us, excuse us. It sounds like gunshots. I'll let you know what this is. These seem to be gunshots. reform going guys <laughs> in the middle of the broadcast talking about how George Floyd's death impacted police reform 
a drive-by happens and people are getting shot and it's a lot of shots. <laughs> this ain't just, you know, bop, 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 go. You know, it's straight out of low cash. <laughs> Gusto, you know that CB4? Come on now. Um, so <laughs> it goes to show you that defunding the police is probably not the best idea. Whereas uh, Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago, has said that she wants to replace a good portion of the police department with civil servants, civil servants who are going to be uh, uh, shot at quite a bit, actually, if you look at it. So speaking of police and police reform and even police failing at their job, we're not going to talk about police that are arresting people under the COVID mandates, which aren't law because they shook somebody's hand and got busted. We're going to talk about Jeffrey Epstein. Here is the Jeffrey Epstein update. He wanted to know if you weren't a fighter, what would your career be? Oh, man, that's a really tough question. And I thought really, really hard about that question. And yeah, Epstein didn't kill himself. I'm feeling good. You know, we got killed last week like Epstein. And I that, that's a show about a man who wants to kill himself because his wife dies of cancer. And it's still more fun than this. Okay? <laughs> Spoiler alert, um, season two is on the way. So in the end, he obviously didn't kill himself. Just like Jeffrey Epstein. Shut up. I know he's your friend, but I don't care. Now, remember Epstein, he's the guy who was getting massages down in Florida by underage girls, having inappropriate relationships with them. Uh, the guy who was, you know, he started out as some stock trader for Bear Stearns uh, with no real working experience on how to trade stocks. He had ties to Harvard University, gave money to MIT, along with Bill Gates. Um, you know, he was down in Florida, he was arrested for sex trafficking, and then he was thrown in, in jail, but it was kind of like the drunk guy on Andy Griffith. Remember uh, Andy Griffith's show? He would just come in with the keys and put himself in jail for the night, and then when he woke up, he'd just unlock himself and walk right out and hang out all day and come back and put himself back in jail. Yeah, same thing with Jeffrey Epstein. He was let out of jail. He would go work. He would do his flying around. He'd come back. Lock himself that back up for the evening down there in Florida. So some Florida politicians, hmm, they might be implicated in his big sex trafficking ring. But, uh, you know, he had the place in Florida. Uh, he also had an apartment in New York. And remember, that was the one with Bill Clinton and the blue dress portrait, uh, wearing the Monica Lewinsky dress. The portrait of George W. Bush, would it, it looked like him uh, acting as a child, playing with a, a stack of fallen blocks, but those blocks were actually the World Trade Center. Remember, that is the place where Prince Andrew, his royal dryness, the guy who said, oh, I never sweat, when the alleged uh, victim, Virginia Gurfrey, uh said, oh, he was really sweaty, and he tried to play it off by saying, no, I, I don't know how to sweat, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, that was... At that same location, Prince Andrew was hanging out in New York with Epstein when all of that went down. Remember, Epstein also had that compound in New Mexico on former Governor Bill Richardson's property. It had no roads leading to the compound. You had to fly in and out. <laughs> Oddly enough, that's down near the border, isn't it? He also had a $500 million estate. Remember Epstein Island, 
That is the island where everybody flew to. Kevin Spacey, George Clooney. You had Les Wexner. Les Wexner of Victoria's Secret fame. Remember that he was pitching women to Lex Wexner in the 1990s. And if you remember, Victoria's Secret, huge in the 90s. That was when they were pushing that Kate Moss looking, uh, you know, young girl looking uh, trend. I wonder if there was any sort of correlation with what was going on with Jeffrey Epstein. Huh? Don't know there. But remember, Anthony Weiner, Huma Abedin, who was Hillary Clinton's assistant, and uh, Anthony Weiner, the politician from New York, who got busted for sexting an underage, which 16-year-old girl, um, his laptop was seized. And we had that interview we played with Eric Prince, whose uh, sister was uh, Betsy DeVos, the Secretary of Education under Donald Trump. Uh, remember, Eric Prince was actually a member. He's a founding CEO of Blackwater, the contractor group that the military would use from time to time. This individual had friends in the New York Police Department who saw what was on the laptop and said on the laptop, there's multiple references to Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton staying on the island, flying on Lolita Express. Remember, Bill Clinton flew on the Lolita Express quite a few times. He's in the log quite a bit. And in fact, there is eyewitness account. Now, it's not corroborated, but it's there. Eyewitness account of him going into the back room on the plane for an extended period of time with some underage girls. Still not completely confirmed, but does make you kind of wonder. Um, Bill Clinton had a good affiliation with, uh, you know, Jeffrey Epstein. Of course, they also try to say, well, Donald Trump did too. Well, th that guy was cozying up to people down in Mar-a-Lago at Donald Trump's resort. Uh, and then apparently Jeffrey Epstein pushed his way upon one of the workers down there and Donald Trump kicked him out of the building. Um, so there's that, you know, there's all these things about people putting him in lawsuits and whatever. And those things have, have slowly been debunked too. And remember the Clintons had more of a relationship with Epstein than Donald Trump did. This is from the New York post new photos show Epstein and, and Ghislaine Maxwell. Remember, she is the talent scout for Jeffrey Epstein. They were VIP guests in Clinton's White House. Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein were once White House guests of former President Bill Clinton. Images that were published by The Sun days after Maxwell's co uh, last court appearance on sex trafficking charges in Manhattan uh, related to her alleged procurement of underage rape victims uh, for the convicted pedophile, the dis uh, disgusting duo were invited to the White House in 1993 after Epstein reportedly donated money to have the Oval Office refurbished. They toured the East Room and the presidential residence during the reception. The pictures expand the timeline of Clinton's involvement with Epstein and Maxwell. Prior to their surfacing, some of the oldest photos linking them to, uh, together were from 2002. Clinton was photographed aboard Epstein's private jet along with Maxwell and one of the late billionaire's rape accusers. So now it's going back to 1993 that he had a relationship with both of them. And apparently someone said that recently, before she was busted, a few years before she was busted, uh, Gillian Maxwell and uh, Bill Clinton may have even had a little fling. But Clinton's main man, this guy, <laughs> he, uh, 
He actually spilled the beans. Doug Ban, ex-Bill Clinton aide, Ban, Doug Ban, dishes on family ties to Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. Former President Bill Clinton did visit deep pocket pervert, uh, pervert Jeffrey Epstein's infamous pedophile island, despite his camp's insistence to the contrary. A one-time top advisor says in a blistering new tell-all, Clinton made the trip in January 2003, one of a dozen of times he flew aboard Epstein's private jet, the Lolita Express, former close aide Doug Band claimed in a wide-ranging interview with Vanity Fair. Doug Band, who rose from Slick Willie's body man during his second term in office to the most trusted advisor of his post-presidential life, told the magazine that he had tried for years to keep Epstein at a distance, but Clinton just couldn't stay away. Imagine that. The guy getting blowjobs under the Resolute desk by an intern could not stay away from getting up with young chicks on the island of a known pervert pedophile sex trafficker. Back to the article, though ignorant at the time of Epstein's sex crimes, Ban said he knew the financier was bad news ever since Clinton's now infamous 2002 trip aboard Epstein's so-called Lolita Express. So <laughs> Doug Ban is on, on file saying that this happened. Now, remember, there was other people on that flight other than Bill Clinton, such as Chief Justice John Roberts. He's on the flight log. Could be why he's made some really interesting court rulings. Of course, we said Les Wexner of Victoria's Secret fame and a one and only Bill Gates. Now, Bill Gates, who was pressured to leave Microsoft right at the beginning of the pandemic because of the fact that he was having an inappropriate relationship with somebody who worked there. And now he's in the process of getting a divorce from Melinda Gates. Of course, he and Melinda Gates had the Melinda Gates Foundation, which has been instrumental in not only the pandemic and the vaccines, but also in the staging testing event, Event 201 which was John Hopkins University, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum, wargaming out a possible pandemic event where we had to lock the world down and issue vaccines on the fly. Hmm, that sounds vaguely familiar. Back in October, early November 2019, at the same time that we find out that some Wuhan laboratory scientists were eerily sick with some random unknown disease, which end up being coronavirus and leading to the fact that the coronavirus could have been out from a lab and not just from the wet market. It didn't happen just because of some bat soup. And now the entire globe had to be shut down to where China makes out like abandoned on all this. Yeah. Well, that Bill Gates, he was, well, Melinda Gates, first off was re reportedly furious after she and Bill Gates met with Jeffrey Epstein from the New York Post. Bill and Melinda Gates had a previously undisclosed meeting with convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein in New York City, and the visit was so uncomfortable, Melinda Gates warned her husband not to have anything to do with the financier again. The Microsoft co-founder and his wife, who announced their divorce this past week, visited Epstein's Upper East Side townhouse in September 2013. And Melinda was furious after the meeting. The meeting came on the same day that philanthropic couple accepted the Lasker Bloomberg Public Service Award at the Pierre Hotel and were photographed with then-Mayor Michael Bloomberg, who has big ties with China himself. 
Friends of the couple told the Daily Beast that Melinda is still haunted by the encounter with Epstein, who had been accused for years of molesting underage women on sex trafficking charges. Huh. Well, it gets even better from there when it come, you come to find out that, well, Jeffrey Epstein gave advice to Bill Gates about ending his marriage with Melinda from the New York Post again. Jeffrey Epstein reportedly gave advice to Bill Gates about ending his marriage with his now estranged wife, Melinda, during the meeting the two had at the pedophile's Manhattan townhouse. Epstein, who killed himself, yeah, right, um, at a lower Manhattan jail cell, gave Gates some pointers about what the Microsoft co-founder called his toxic marriage to Melinda Two sources told the Daily Beast. Epstein and Gates met dozens of times from 2011 to 2014, the report said. So uh, Gates uh, gave him some pointers. I mean, no, Epstein gave Gates some pointers about how um, he can get distanced from his wife, how he can leave her. Well, Bill Gates isn't exactly a saint himself. Bill Gates, this is also another New York Post article. Bill Gates, known for womenizing naked pool parties, the biographer says. Behind his image as a straight-laced tech mogul, Bill Gates was notorious for throwing naked pool parties with strippers and being a womanizer, even after meeting future wife Melania or Melinda. The Microsoft co-founder's wild lifestyle was well-known among his inner circle, but newspapers like the New York Times hid the unflattering reports to continue getting spoon-fed stories. James Wallace wrote in a 1997 biography entitled Overdrive, Bill Gates and the Race to Control Cyberspace. They, quote, didn't report on the wild bachelor parties at Microsoft's boyish uh, mansion. Uh, he would throw it his Seattle home for which Gates would visit one of Seattle's all nude nightclubs and hire dancers to come home and swim naked with his friends in his indoor pool. So, yeah, um, he has an issue there. And it seems to fall in line with the same issue that Jeffrey Epstein had. So did Jeffrey Epstein kill himself? Uh, cameras were turned off at a maximum security prison that held El Chapo, the Mexican drug cartel mob boss. He supposedly hanged himself with a blanket made of paper thin fabric from a bed that was about three feet up. Somehow he was able to break a bone in his neck that would require enormous force to snap, and the guards fell asleep. Remember that? Oh, took a nap. We fell asleep. And then he committed suicide. But now there's a new development. Oh, yeah. This is an interesting development. Prison guards tasked with guarding Epstein make massive admission. Will avoid, avoid jail time after striking a deal with the Department of Justice. So basically, the story here is that both police officers, Noel and Thomas, admitted they falsified records to appear as though they had conducted the regular prisoner checks when they actually had neglected them. And that was right before Epstein was found dead. And they're not going to be doing any time behind bars because they reached a deferred prosecution agreement with the Department of Justice. Wow, the DOJ under Biden, the one that was constantly flooded with swamp members, whether it was Bill Barr, whether it was, uh, you know, uh, Attorney General Sessions, which I don't know what happened to Sessions. Someone got to him because he didn't seem like a swamp creature. Um, but that DOJ was constantly undermining Trump 
and they seemed pretty nervous. The entire swamp seemed extremely nervous that something was going to come out under the Trump presidency. And then after they installed Biden, they all get, did a collective sigh and it was back to business as usual. And this as well. This comes out right after we get Ghislaine Maxwell being arrested. So she's being housed in a nice little area to where she can't chirp like a bird. Doug Ban though, goes and leaves Bill Clinton and he's blowing his lid. And then you've got the fact that these officers, ah, well, we falsified the records, which allowed Epstein to be vulnerable to be killed. No biggie, though. We'll just take the defer deferment and av avoid the jail time. So Ghislaine Maxwell, his talent scout, arrested, placed on the suicide watch. Um, she actually had some developments, too, because, you know, she's up for her next uh, her next court appearance coming up very soon. And apparently she has some things she's going to put out. This is actually from the court document. The defendant's position, Ms. Ghislaine Maxwell respectfully purposes the following pretrial disclosure schedule, May 24th, coming up soon. Actually, it's already just passed. Government discloses identities of alleged victims, but September 27th, nine weeks before the trial, government should disclose Jinx Act 3500 material, gigolo material, I guess that's from a magazine, Rule 404B evidence and notice, the government's witness list, and any co-conspirator statements it intends to introduce at trial and the identity of any un unindicted co-conspirator. So Ghislaine Maxwell knows she has some cards in her hands and she's going to press on them. So look out, September. We're going to have some bigger updates, but am I confident anything's going to happen? Has anything happened yet? Nope. So I just wanted to at least give you an update that there are more things happening in the Jeffrey Epstein world, which is the swamps, uh, one of the swamps, big Achilles heels. Uh, you take out that entire narrative and expose it for the truth behind it and you end up implicating world leaders and uh, lots of elites and it's not going to be ugly but that's coming up in september i'm adrian slade thanks for tuning into the show check out the podcast itunes soundcloud stitcher google play spreaker tune in iheart you can also go to the blog adriansladeshow.com donate to the show anchor.fm slash support slash Adrian Slade and call to be on the show 1-929-GO-GO-USA. God bless. We'll see you guys next time.